0: Albert and Tuna Brass and Carson Sestouli. This is Fangraphs Audio, my guest on this edition of Fangraphs Audio. He was a former lead prospect analyst for Fangraphs.com. Uh, more recently than that, a member of the Atlanta Braves front office. And even more recently, such that it is in the future, uh, beginning at the beginning of 2018, once again a member of Team Fangraphs. It's Kylie McDaniel. Kylie McDaniel was the guest on this edition of the program. A program which, it ought to be stated, is merely a phone call with Kylie McDaniel and does not entirely represent the more prospect-oriented appearances that Kylie made when he was previously a member of Team fingers Those will come in the future. This is merely a casual and free-flowing conversation and an opportunity for Kylie to uh, reacquaint himself with the program, with the podcast, with the podcast. During which episode he discusses uh, his uneventful tenure, the Atlanta Braves, during which nothing of note occurred to the Atlanta Braves as a whole or to certain members of Atlanta's front office, one thing he discusses. Also, uh, the disparity in the data available to organizations as opposed to the public and or players and their agents. Uh, it's a topic on which Fangraph's writers have meditated before. Also, uh, McDaniel discusses some of his plans for producing hashtag content. Hashtag content is one thing Kylie discusses while also lamenting uh, his greatest weaknesses which are that he cares too much and works too hard 30 minutes of conversation with the former lead prospect analyst and future once again future employee of Fangraphs.com at the new year Uh, that's all I'll say no ad let us get to that conversation I'll say it again what is it is Fangraphs audio who does it feature Kylie McDaniel and when does it begin right now A, an audio interview? Yeah, but doesn't everybody do that?
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I feel like I um, probably unfairly got, uh, got cast from from this my <laughs> how I conducted myself on this podcast as the axe body spray uh, using bro.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: I've decided to embrace that, even though I'm not sure any of it's true. But you know, I'm here to give the people what they want.
0: Mm-hmm. What do what do people want, Kylie?
1: Uh, I think that they want something they can rely on, some normalcy, even if it turns me into some sort of clown.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. People want to secure, people want to cling to their, uh to their illusions. I mean, and listen, when I say people, I count myself among them. Um, yeah. What do you mean, you people? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, uh hey, let me, Kylie, let me ask you a question. Uh-uh. Well, let me just state a fact, which is that you have recently uh returned to Fangraphs.com.
1: Yes, I, I was going to say rejoin, but I guess return makes it seem like I like I ran away and then decided to come back yeah. in some sort of prodigal way.
0: Yeah, I was thinking, the, the, in fact, that, um, that parable of the, the prodigal son, it, mm-hmm. uh, it occurred to me, which is why I am now surrounded by slaughtered, fatted calves. See? I, I've been this slaughtering calves all day.
1: They want rich imagery, and they want Old Testament Bible stories, Carson. We're
0: mm-hmm. giving them what they want. Check. Check.
1: And, and they've also, they'd also like some fatty beef, if I could uh, like, go ahead and speak for them, get judging by. How about this one? This still happened to me. I didn't tweet for, what was it, two years and change while I was with uh, with with an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, people would still walk up to me and be like, hey, been any good barbecue places lately? And I'd be like, oh, yeah, there was one in the uh, – you know, Louisiana or whatever, they're like, why, why didn't you tweet about it? And I'm like, I'm, you know, there's all kinds of apps you can use for this. So people apparently want, you know, brisket recommendations from me, too. Maybe, maybe I should just, you know, embrace the future, you know?
0: You mentioned that uh, you were employed by a by a baseball organization.
1: <laughs> it was the brisket. I wasn't trying to avoid saying that.
0: No, no, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> can I ask a question, Callie?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Did anything would you say that uh, anything notable happened during your time with Atlanta Braves? Uh,
1: it seemed like we flew pretty far into the radar as far as, <laughs> you know, national baseball news is concerned. So Yeah, I don't I don't think
0: anything out of the ordinary. Yeah. Um Would you like to begin with a press release? Would you like a sort of press release of sorts? To, to um what what is the press
1: release like? Headline, Braves have been involved in nothing for two plus years.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> No, the Kylie McDaniel yeah, press release. Well, let's go with that. Kylie McDaniel press release. Oh yeah,
1: release. Ky- Ky- Kylie uh, worked for Braves for two plus years. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Shrug emoji. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Okay. Now you know, uh, um, I, far from uh, serving as a hard-hitting journalist, Kylie, uh, what I am more of, What I am more of is a clown. Um, <laughs> more of a. More of a clown, so I have absolutely. I literally. I, um, it's not that I intend to handle this situation with kid gloves. It's that I actually don't really have any interest in, um, in learning more about it. To be honest, uh, I mean I've talked about with Dave Cameron as as one would who's covering baseball by the situation that emerged, you know, from Atlanta. Um, I I'm not really interested in learning more about it. I hope that does not employ uh, disappoint listeners. Um, I. I'm interested in others. Yeah, this is not
1: going to be called the tell-all, the tell-all uh, portion of Fangraph's audio? No,
0: it's not. Um, I assume, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work under this assumption, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I'm going to assume okay. that you enjoyed working for an organization. Um, but that maybe because some of the events unfolded, it's, um, it makes sense for you not to work for the organization anymore. Well, no, let me, yeah,
1: vagabond- I in these sort of, broadest vaguest terms possible yeah but, let me yeah, face, yeah sure.
0: it's just uh, a clean break was probably best does that make sense
1: yeah yeah and not to sound like uh I'm aware that this this uh statement will sound like the um you know the sort of thing that a politician embroiled in a scandal will say like oh I'm not interested in you know going over the past we're all about the future what they're saying is please don't ask me in person details about what happened to me because there's no way for me to spend this mm-hmm. and mine is just like you know I'm young. I, th- I like to think I'm, uh, you know, pretty optimistic and whatnot. And uh I have a lot of, like, well, I guess one of the things I said to people, um, you know, we'll say confidants, so clearly not you. Um When I got <laughs> to the Braves, there were a couple of projects, a couple that I sort of winked at, uh didn't, you know, outline exactly what they were when I left Fangraphs. And I told some people, like, oh, I wish I could have pushed this Braves thing back like six months. so I could have finished all this stuff and, you know, had like a feeling of, all right, I did that. Now I can move on to this next thing. So there's always a little bit of an allure of, you know, sort of finishing what I started. Mm -hmm. And in that way, it's, uh, I didn't like back into this. Like it was, it was a thing I was always sort of interested in just because of, you know, of the way that I left and the timing that I left that I just hadn't finished some things I wanted to finish. Mm -hmm. So in that way, I'm, you know, I, I, I guess if I could, uh, explain my mindset, it would be like excited and have a bunch of, I mean, I don't think anyone would misconstrue my, uh, previous appearances on Fangraphs Audio, or as you call them, the digital pages of Fangraphs, as a guy that doesn't have some energy or some ideas or, you know, wanting to do something a little differently or whatever. Like, I I don't think that would surprise anybody that, uh, when this sort of got in motion, I was like, hey, I got, got some ideas. I was like pitching them to Appleman and Cameron. They're like, yeah, okay, but that might be too many things. I was like, yeah, it might be. And they might all be terrible ideas, but there's some things I want to do. And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, go for it. So, uh yeah, I would, I would, I would characterize it in that way that in, I mean, I also said this in my like sort of intro article, I was intentionally vague because I didn't want to, uh, you know, sort of litigate what happened because, you know, there's a lot of good and there was you know, some not so good and it's not really important what exactly happened. And I think it's fair to say that the media understands some of what happened there and misunderstands a lot of it. So like, I'm not interested in going back and like slinging stuff around because no matter what I would say to sort of clear the air would make it seem like I was taking shots at some people and protecting other people. And it's just, it's just not, you know, it's not a good look, even if I felt like I wanted to, you know, let the let the record reflect exactly what happened, which it doesn't, isn't really necessary. Like I've kind of, I've moved on in that way. And I would also say, I think I'll be better at this job, which isn't exactly the same job I had before. Again, as mentioned in the initial post, <laughs> yeah. like I, I know, uh, I know a lot of stuff I didn't know before and there's certain, You know, people that I met and things that I did um, that I, you know, wouldn't have been able to do if I was writing. So, hey, let me ask you. um, Let me me interject.
0: I'm actually interested in that because I know that. Well, I think most prominently. You want me to
1: go on a 15 minute monologue?
0: No, God, no. Uh, Most prominently, though. (laughs) Probably. R.J. uh, I think R.J. Anderson uh, addressed this at some point uh, online, Uh, but it's been it's it's a it's a theme that's been picked up by other writers as well, which is the um The disparity in data available now to organizations um, um, you know the, whether it 's proprietary or it's or it's um or the or, or organizations' teams get it from a sort of a central resource within the league um, but the disparity or even between, just the
1: analyzing of the data everybody else has
0: well yeah right right and then or the public facing data and 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 not just for yeah. sites like you know fangraphs, baseball prospectus, and others, but also for um, player representatives, right? the the disparity of yeah. data um, available to organizations between the, the data available to organizations and players and um, public facing analysts like ourselves is larger than ever. Now you um in some level, you you have some qualifications. Uh, to comment upon this not simply because you were just working for a major league organization but also because you would worked for three of them at various points before that so you've been able uh perhaps over what a decade or so uh, to get a sense of the um the developments in this area and i'm wondering if you could speak to it obviously i'm not i'm not trying to get anything specific out of you but if you could if, if there's some way you could uh, provide an example either you know either that the disparity is greater or it's the same. That would, You know, that would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I would see the interest, I mean, obviously it wasn't intentional, but, I mean, like, I worked uh, in the front office of the Yankees, like, pre-pitch FX, I think, or mm-hmm. at least at the very beginning stages of it. And then I worked for the Pirates, who are obviously, you know, more on the progressive side, um, pre-stat cast, but, you know, sort of post, toward the latter stages of the pitch and hit FX stuff. And then I was obviously with the Brave, sort of, uh i guess just pre and then also post stat cast and also that included like trackman stuff at every minor league affiliate and all through high school showcases and colleges which you know every now and then you'll see lsu tweet out that greg dykeman the guy the ace took him last year and i think the second round oh he hit that home run 112 miles an hour off the bat and so there's always like little winks at it or like it's area code somebody will tweet hey if this guy's got a curveball you know, 2,900 RPMs, like, if this is calibrated correctly, and even if it's not, it's somewhere above 2,500, that's really good. And there's actually a guy in the draft this year, Carter Stewart, that I think was over 3,000 or very close to it multiple times over multiple events on multiple different track man units. And so, like, there's little nods to it in the, in the public-facing area where you can get an idea of, well, that's really interesting. But, you know, like, for instance, what if there's a... Uh, a high school kid that is a very late pop up guy. Nobody's really watching him until two months before the draft. Never been to any events. Never been in any big ballparks. And then he goes to one team's pre draft workout and throws for them. They have super valuable data that no other team has, and therefore they're going to value him differently just because of that. And I was able to see that like happen. Uh, like up close, and I also have friends on other teams that are on different sort of parts of the analytics curve, whether in front office, in the draft, internationally. Like every team is, and like there's a different curve for each of those. Some teams are very progressive in one and then kind of middle of the pack or mm-hmm. non existent in another one. Um, and so you can kind of see, uh, like it happens in the draft all the time. Um, I actually said in the Brave draft room at one point, um, I was, well, I'll hesitate to say exactly what my role was, but I was doing analytics stuff in addition to doing reports. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so at one point I said, I hear you guys, you guys in the room, like the cross-checkers, all these guys, saying that this is last year's draft. Uh, you guys don't really like this guy. You think he's like a, you know, a third-rounder, second-rounder, you know, wherever we had him. And you see him in these mock drafts in the first round, you're kind of scratching your head, like, is the media wrong about this guy? I'm looking at the track man stuff, and I can tell you this is why you will probably go in the first round, because is X, Y, and Z. And the teams that like this kind of stuff and have taken the guys that have been outliers in these sorts of stats in the past are these four teams. And then the cross checkers will be like, yep, they had two national cross checkers and the director at that game. Yep, that team was in there. And they would kind of agree with me. And then I'd go, okay, so it seems like the teams that like this guy are picking in these 10 to 12 pick, this 10 to 12 pick range. And if you buy into sort of the numbers and what they say, that maybe your tool grids are a little too low because this says something, you would take this guy around here, right? And they'd be like, yeah. And I'd be like, but knowing this information and knowing the interpretation these teams are making, do we agree with them? And like everyone, including me, goes, no. We think this guy's like a second or third rounder, and we don't think he's very good uh, compared to what everybody else thinks. Um, and and that's that's sort of the conversation that should be happening in every draft room and front office and international group and all that is sort of reconciling all these things and having an open conversation where the numbers guy gets to talk and then the scouts get to talk and then everybody discusses what it means and everyone. I mean, you don't have to be, if you've been the, uh, you know, the hardcore scout scout for 50 years, it's not hard to explain like launch angle and spin rates and stuff if they want to know what it means. Like if you explain like fastball spin rate, oh, this guy gets a lot more swings and misses up in the zone than you'd think, even though it's flat fastball that doesn't move that much. And they're like, yeah. And I go, this number in most cases will tell you why that's happening and if it's sustainable or if it's just that these hitters can't hit 90 and, you know, things like that. And so if they want to understand it, which is a surprisingly high amount, I think for what the public would guess, um, then they can understand it and you can kind of have that whole conversation and decide, hey, we're wound up on the scouting report because these numbers things are compelling. It's stuff we couldn't see. Or it's, oh, no, no, I can see the thing that the numbers saying. Here's why it doesn't matter. And I think a lot, I'd say the majority of teams are too far on the one side or the other. And the sort of correct answer is where you can have that open conversation. and Everybody gets a chance. And the guy making the decision gives both sides an equal shot, not just sort of paying lip service and saying, "See, that's why we hired this guy." He gets to talk, and then you just ignore what he says. So wait, so and this I is would, yeah, I would say more more than fifteen teams are too far one side or the other.
0: Now this is one kind of data, but there's other sorts of data that are that are, there's other sorts of data that's being collected. Um, uh, I mean, you know, there's this sort of statis data. Oh yeah, data. That's a, yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's other um, you know, there's there's other things um, like. By way of you know wearable technology, um, th- there's a lot that's being monitored about players. And uh, do you, do you have a sense that players are at a are at a disadvantage um, in terms of the the sort of uh, the data gap or the knowledge gap?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's still in infant stages. That um, I don't think many teams have multiple years of statistically significant. We know what this means. We now know a thing that other teams don't know, and so when we get a big enough sample on this guy's, you know, heart rate or whatever it is, or, you know, potential for growth or how well these, you know, his bones can support more weight when you're trying to project a picture. Like, everybody's kind of still guessing at this point. Not to say that nobody knows anything above and beyond or no one's ever going to say we drafted a guy because of, you know, this thing and we ended up being correct. Like, you know, obviously anything can happen. You can have a terrible process and have a bunch of right answers. Um, but I think because if there's any teams that have, like a real edge using this stuff and like a real sample size to know they have an edge and have decision makers that are going to let them, you know, sort of leverage that edge. It's so few teams in specific little areas, not, you know, the entire of biometric information, right. but I don't think the players of the agents really care about it. I think they just know, Oh yeah, this team makes you do this crazy thing when you go to a workout or when you go to this MLD workout, you do all these things, 50, 15, teams aren't even going to look at it. So you know, it doesn't really matter if you focus on it or not. And I think it's sort of a flimpent at attitude and and it could be that we'll look back on this and be like, Oh, they should have you know, negotiated for player rights about this stuff and you get to, you know, see your track man stuff and everybody gets a thumb drive that they can bring to their, you know, drive line style place in the off season and, you know, work with it because, you know, those only the teams have like the minor league track man data, nobody else gets it. Um so I could totally see that you know, happening. And I think there's other sort of businesses where that sort of happens where everyone sort of poo-poo something and then realizes it's real and they're like, Oh no, now we got to change. I think you see that with like sort of Netflix stuff where, you know, Disney sends all their movies there and then they realize, Oh, by giving them our movies for a decent rate, we thought we were getting free money and it turns out we helped make a monster that now we have to slay. And now they're taking all their stuff away from Netflix. Um, So it wouldn't shock me if it went that way. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to, but we've, we've seen that curve in other sort of instances like that before.
0: Yeah, okay. Can I, can, uh, can I, I'm gonna ask you to, you no, know, we, we discussed, uh, before we got on, the fact that this was not, we were not necessarily thinking of this as a, as an official, uh, uh, podcast episode, uh, but just something, uh, to sort of, uh, a, a re, to, uh, reacquaint ourselves, reacquaint, honestly, because, uh, I, I mean, you, you called me a number of times over the last two years, but I refused to answer. But now that I'm professionally obligated to do so, I guess it, it makes sense that we get to know each other again, Kylie.
1: Yeah, it turns out it's not Dave Cameron that has the obligation. It's it's now you you have to answer my call. Yeah,
0: I do have to answer those calls. Yeah, yeah, that's the so worst sort of obligation. But here's uh l- let me ask you what I suppose is an open-ended question. Um, and you feel free to divulge again as much as you feel is necessary, um, and protect as much as you feel is necessary. But from working in, in the game the last couple of years, um, what do you think you learned? Like, what do you think, what's something that uh, maybe you weren't expecting to learn um, that you've come away with in that time?
1: Oh, I have a lot better, um, like, like, I guess if somebody, like, for instance, if you go to one of these, like, scared straight things in high school where somebody's like, oh, you shouldn't take drugs because, you know, I had a, a 15-year odyssey of, you know, living on the street and whatever, and all the kids are just like, Okay, get out of here. Like <laughs> we don't really care. But then when you do drugs and you get arrested all of a sudden you're like, Oh wow, that really hit home. Like sometimes you just have to experience the thing to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that traveling like a scout is like drugs. Um but <laughs> so somebody can tell you like, Oh, it's a tough life and you know, yada 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 and you're just like, Yeah, yeah, yeah I got it, okay. Like I'm I'm single, like I can handle it. Um Doing the sort of duties of a cross checker for a period and then doing, you know, essentially the workload of a cross checker for a short period, you know, maybe the two months leading up to the draft as like a guy in the office that can kind of be dispatched anywhere.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then also having like the nonstop, uh, like, okay, things, you know, say draft scouts, amateur scouts will have like, Oh, the busy season is like these three to four months. And then during the summer, there's like a month or two where you might have three to four things in a row. And then the rest of it's kind of slow. And like December, there's basically nothing like there's sort of ebbs and flows to the schedule. Was in the final, office and like the specific role that I was in for a while. It was sort of pitching in anywhere. And so every department would have like, uh, you know, hey, we're ramping up to July 2 or ramping up to the draft. Oh, it's the winter meetings. Oh, it's instructional week. Oh, it's orc meetings. Uh, uh, we need to get minor league free agents lined up. Uh, oh, and now you got to rush to see our affiliates since the draft has ended and the minor league season's about to end and you got to go to like seven affiliates. And so. You know, five days of seven affiliates. I mean, thirty-five if there's no breaks, and there's going to be a couple days here and there. Like it ends up being a month and a half just to go see everybody. Um, there was always, and then you know, you, you know, in the summer when you have any breaks between that, you go pick up some showcases. So you know what the guys look like. So that those two months in the spring when you go see a bunch of players for the draft. Um, you know what those guys look like, and then you're also like helping with analytics for you know waiver claims or the draft or whatever it is. Like, there's never a shortage of things to do. And the lifestyle of that guy particularly, which isn't, like, I wasn't in, like, necessarily a specific department. There's not a ton of guys that have that job specifically. But understanding the sort of scheduled demands and then also, like, just the attention and energy demands. Because you're like, oh, oh, you worked this amount of hours and then you went home. It's like, yeah, but you really don't have the energy to go out with friends on Friday when you're doing, you know, X, Y, and Z during the week. Um but like really understanding that and knowing um sort of the limitations and the benefits. Uh I mean the travel points are great. As you know, my uh <laughs> my standard home is a Marriott somewhere. Um
0: In fact uh there, yeah, there's definitely Well in your absence curling look, one right now, actually I, In in your absence also um of course Travis Sachik, uh former B reporter, pirates B reporter for the Pittsburgh Tribune yeah. Review, has joined Fangraphs.com, and <clears throat> we we have also done quite a bit. Uh, there's been quite a bit of the investigation of the Marriott you, the Marriott network of properties. Um, yeah, is it, sp-
1: should be, that should be our sponsor.
0: <clears throat> Why isn't it? You know, actually, uh, this this is neither here nor there. Oh no, maybe I shouldn't divulge this. Uh, <laughs> no way. Maybe I can. Anyway, it's possible that I will be doing would be able to do uh, um, ad spots for a life insurance company. And I was, I was just, uh, Appleman mentioned it might be. Could it be positive.
1: like a live read where we have, like, banter between us?
0: No, well, sure, if you want to do it that way, I guess. But, but, like, I could is kick that? it off
1: and be like, hey, Carson, you're going to die one day. Yes, exactly, like, I sure that's I am. Exactly,
0: that's <laughs> exactly the perfect angle. Um, so. We you're all
1: like have, I think about it constantly.
0: <laughs> yeah, we all have a terrifying relationship with our own mortality, right? Yeah, and that, yeah. that's the. That's the hook. This that's company
1: would like to get between you and your fear and make some money off. Of
0: it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of money to be made between getting in between people and their fear. That's
1: yeah, it. consider opportunistic life insurance company. <laughs> We're here to make money off. Of your fear.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could work. It could work. So, so, so one you can of send the, that that
1: audio along to them.
0: So one of your uh, it are the one of the. I don't know, it's not necessarily a conclusion you reached, but one of your takeaways, one of your takeaways, uh, was just the sheer amount of, uh, hours, hours and travel, uh, necessary to, to operate, uh, inside this thing.
1: Yeah. And it's not even like necessarily, it's not like me saying, Oh, travel sucks. I'm working for a team. is terrible. Cause like, i worked for teams in the past. I had an idea of it before, but like when you're at a very low level, like an intern or entry level guy, you don't really know what the scouting director or the cross-checkers do or what the assistant GM or the director of whatever. Like, you don't necessarily have an idea. Like, at the end, you get in the draft room and they're like, yeah, I saw that guy once, and I saw that guy. Oh, I doubled up with that guy. And you're like, okay, I have a sense of what his, you know, weekend during the spring will be because he's talking about, like, how he had to pull some, you know, three games in one day and four hours of sleep to get this game in. Okay, that's maybe not typical, but that sort of thing happens. Uh, but then when you have like a multi-year process of different sort of roles and different departments and you kind of see how things work and how the conversation works uh, sort of leading up to the decisions, like you have a much better uh, idea of, you know, exactly what sort of life is possible when you're doing this job. And, and then, you know, maybe it's it, you could compare it to, you know, like picking a college. It's like, well, I don't like super cold weather, but I like that they have this major or that, you know, they're particularly strong in this area, but then this one's more expensive. I'll probably have to get a job. And so it's, it's not that any one of the schools you're considering are terrible or any of these jobs in baseball or the travel inherently is terrible. I actually kind of like traveling, um, but you kind of understand the pluses and minuses. And like I'm, you know, a couple of times in the last year, I've had to look at different apartments. and. I get very sort of type A, make a spreadsheet, lay out all of the 35 variables, and then I try to explain to the leasing person. What I'm trying to do is figure out if you could, you know, the, the number indicator I've made, which is like a, uh, <laughs> a composite of these four different variables, they're just looking at me like, are you going to take it or not? And I'm just like, hey, bear with me for a minute. And I can just tell their eyes are rolling. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to have to go do this by myself, and then I'll come back and tell you my decision. So, uh, yeah, sorry not to get off base there, but... Uh, it's Yeah, I guess understanding the sort of demands in the office as far as things you needed to do and sort of the stress points and, you know, managing people and things like that. And then also I think the travel and the sort of time commitment becomes a, a, like the biggest part of those things, just understanding each individual department. And I guess I wasn't entry level anymore, so there's a little bit of sort of managing people and being a little closer into the decision makers, even if I wasn't necessarily one myself and sort of understanding some of the politics and the way decisions are made. And then there's also like the, you know, sort of powerlessness is if you're not the decision maker, at some point you did some crazy run for a week where you barely slept and like put off a bunch of personal things and you find out, Oh, it turns out that didn't, that didn't get us anything. Like we didn't know at the time. And you, and then you start sure like, wow, was this worth it? Or do I want to work at a place where I kill myself for, you know, two straight weeks and, have no life and barely get sleep, and then it turns out it didn't make any difference at all. The decision was already decided, or do I just enjoy that I got an experience and know that next time it might matter? So I have to treat every time like it's important. Um, just, it's just a lot of like experiential stuff like that. That I think I was a little higher up the, up the totem pole than I had been in the past and got to sort of, you know, see it from multiple different areas.
0: What was the biggest ass you ever made of yourself while you were there? That's, that's mostly. <laughs> The question would be, when was I not doing that? Ah. Like, when, when
1: was the little glimmer of light when it came through and <laughs> people were like, hey, this guy might be okay? No, you know what? He's not. I, I considered <laughs> it, and it turns out he's not. All
0: right. So it was It was pretty uniform then?
1: Yeah. Yeah, you could say that.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, Mostly
1: because I can't think of a good answer, so I thought I'd go with the joke answer.
0: What will you be doing for Fangraphs.com? I and mean, this is a question that I know that – so uh, in teaching, for example – uh, one one sort of uh, maxim that makes sense in uh, in pedagogy is never is always actually when you ask a question always mean it don't just ask a question expecting a certain answer it's not that doesn't uh, push mm-hmm. the conversation forward I'm literally asking what you what you're going to be doing in Fangraphs uh, when I say it uh, <laughs> I, I have no idea uh, well, I mean well, I assume it's going to be helping not helping Eric working with Eric uh to produce I'll prospect-related be just, content. Uh,
1: answering phone calls and stuff. <laughs>
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh yeah, so mm-hmm. I guess that hasn't been like a hundred percent nailed down. It's a little sort of roving in a sense. Uh which I guess <laughs> my last couple jobs have been like that, so maybe that's my personality. Like can't stay focused on any one thing. Um it sounds like it'll be, you know, obviously some of the some of this uh, nonsense with you on maybe a like semi regular basis. Yeah. Um I have I have some ideas, actually I could probably tell you after this, some uh other audio based ideas uh that I'm exploring. Um, you're gonna do a you can
0: you do a series of of phone custom phone rings. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's just mm-hmm. gonna be various things I've said into uh, yeah, mm-hmm. a, a ring back tunes. You know, I hear that's that's big mm-hmm. with the kids with the Motorola razors. I hear that's what they're into. Mm-hmm. I'm also gonna put out a custom Kylie Snake game that you can play <laughs> on your with your head pub. on it. Yeah, I feel like I'm ahead of the curve. It's gonna come back, and I'm gonna be standing there waiting for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there's. A, I'm interested in sort of looking at some audio and and video uh, sort of stuff, and I think I you know I did a little bit of that before, but I'll try some different stuff, and it might all be a terrible failure, but I got a couple ideas, and obviously I will uh, also tag team with Eric on the prospect stuff. Um I my my title is not lead prospect analyst.
0: Uh, oh, yes, I don't know
1: what it is. I don't think I have one right now.
0: Yeah, you've had to. Um, you've
1: had to and I think some of the stuff that uh, that we've talked about, uh, some of the, you know, how are decisions made in front offices? How do you sort of bridge that gap between information that teams know and agents and fans do not? And, you know, I've always been interested in sort of the player development end of things, uh, especially now with the use of data, which I think the site has covered pretty well without me. Uh, but, I'm interested in that topic, and I tweeted earlier today <laughs> well, promoting my Twitter um mm. something you know wrote about like a uh, sort of a survey of the industry about how you know how you think about team building how it's changed recently, and I tweeted I had some you know some ideas about that. I kind of sketched out an idea, but I wasn't quite sure if it was uh sort of what format of writing or if it would even be written um but just you know. Something along those lines. I guess that would be sort of general, just analysis, not even really about the minor leagues or prospects per se. But I think this is some of the stuff that Dave was referring to when he said having two prospect guys allows you to maybe have one of them, uh, which could be me or Eric at any given time, kind of jumping into some non-prospect areas uh, if you know the opportunity presents itself. So. That's a very vague thing. I guess what I gave was a little more specific, but I also don't want to limit myself and say I'm absolutely not going to do a statistical research article because that wasn't my strength before. I didn't do it before. Um, I think I have some interesting thoughts there. I can't guarantee I'm going to do that, but, you know, it's on the table.
0: Well, I can't say that I'm looking forward to working with you, Kylie. However... Not many do. No, not many. But uh, I am interested to see what you produce. So there's that, at least. There's that. Yeah,
1: and, and we... And I've found that the listeners hate when we refer to a conversation that we will have privately after the podcast ends. Yeah. I feel like it's only fitting that in the first podcast back that I can refer to experimenting with audio and say you and I can talk about it. Yeah, let's you know, talk I'll about walk. it
0: afterwards. Although also um, now I have a yeah. child who I hear crying in the background. He's, he's deserted. Anyway, He's
1: not excited to work with me either?
0: No. Uh, <laughs> let's conclude there. <laughs> oh, boy. And we will return later. Wait, perhaps.
1: is the... Is, uh... If I say your son's name, is it going to be bleeped out like it was before?
0: Um, no, I don't think so.
1: Is that your son's name?
0: No, my son's name is Jackie. Uh, yeah, that that is, is. Oh yeah, you knew I had a child. No, it's not. No, that, that other name. The name was Smith. It Was the first name that I wanted, which is fine. But it sounds. It's difficult with Sestuli. I thought Smith.
1: Well, that. All right, so here's the spoiler for everybody. We're going to take away the JJ J. Abrams mystery box. The thing that you kept bleeping out that I was saying was Smith Stooley.
0: Smith Stooley, yeah, yeah, and that's that's. I mean, I
1: kept saying it, and you kept bleeping it out, presumably to keep it from being said by me publicly and ruining the name, which I clearly managed to do anyway.
0: Yeah, but it wasn't necessarily that you ruined it, although I'm sure it contributed to some degree. But the, this last name Stoule is like is so. Sh- For first names, because it's got this S sound, and it's so long. And every time we had like a vaguely Italian sounding name, his name was like Bada 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 bada. It sounded so Italian. Anyway, I gotta get going. I got a crying kid. Stay. Hey.
1: Sorry, I just fell asleep. What just happened?
0: I'll take to. I'll talk to you in one minute. I'll talk to you in a second. But first, uh, Kylie, let me say that you fulfilled your obligation, your your briefer obligation.
1: alright So you say, "Great,"
0: and I say. (laughs) I say that has been Kylie McDaniel, uh, not the lead prospect analyst, uh, but a prospect, a prospect analyst. Title TBA. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for Fangraphs, uh, dot com. Uh, I'm Carson Stule. This has been Fangraphs Audio.